Welcome into the BetUS College Football Show, and it is week nine, part one. I am your host, Gary Seegers. You can follow me on Twitter, at GaryWCE, and I'll be the first to admit, last week, not our best week, for sure. But you're going to get those every now and then. The lines got us a little bit last week, but that's okay. We are back at it again, ready to knock some out of the park, and we have got a lot of games that we feel like we've got value on this week, and it's a nice mix again. Some of those sicko games that we like to discuss, and of course, there are some big time matchups this week that we will be breaking down. Let me go ahead and introduce the experts that you are all here for. We will start on the left side of the screen. Of course, Parker Fleming at Stats of War on Twitter. I call him the numerical guru. He's the numbers guy, the analyst. Parker, how you feeling? It's nice to have you back, my friend. It's great to be back. I was just thinking that seeing the names pop up in the chat is kind of like we walked in a. Uh... Walked in a bar where everybody knows my name. You know, you got Heath and Anoop and JJ and all these dudes in here. It's uh, it's great to be back. And uh, uh, shout out to Cece for doing great in in my stead last Wednesday. Um, and uh, yeah, that was that was awesome. Got to watch that episode, and he he did a great job. So I appreciate that. Appreciate you guys filling in. But man, feels feels good to be back in the uh, back in the saddle this week. Oh, most certainly. Yeah, Corby two and one on his picks last week. Not too shabby. Bowling Green got him the over on that game against Central Michigan. I mean, it's it, Central Michigan looked awful the majority of that game and Bowling Green with a late touchdown pass, even when they were up by nine, uh, got him the over. That's what we're here for on the right side of the screen. Of course, is Kyle Hunter. He's our award winning professional handicapper at Kyle Hunter picks on the Twitter. Kyle, how are you feeling? My friend? I'm doing all right, Gary. Uh, you know, I had a good weekend, uh, betting wise myself. I really wish the, the show plays had gone better. Uh, haven't had the best luck with those here of late, but uh, you make it sound like everybody's just here to see us. And Gary, you're you're pulling along our record here nicely this year. So we appreciate you uh, keeping things rolling here for us. Yeah, not bad last week. Not bad last week for sure. You know what? Let's go on and dive into it. Let's do our picks recap. We are as transparent as we could possibly be. Uh, but we're going to go ahead and tell you exactly what we have done thus far on the season. I am sitting at 32-17-2 thus far through week number eight. Uh, Kyle, of course, 18 and 15. Parker, 26, 23 and 1. That brings us to 76, 55 and 3 overall, which is 58.02%. Not too shabby, uh, even with, you know, it may be a not great last couple of weeks that we have had. But uh, but the numbers, you know, they, they are we're continuing to get data points. And I think that's the most important thing as we get to the end of the season is figuring out exactly what these teams are, especially against similar competition. We are knee deep in conference races right now. Uh, I think that's that's the big thing. The lines are going to get a little bit tighter, but there's still places where we can find value. That is what we are here for. Let me go ahead and remind everybody, uh, go ahead and like the video. I mean, we are the likes are up. You guys are fantastic. You know what I always do. I ask almost immediately as soon as the show gets going for you guys to hit that like button. It is the thumbs up. That is right under the video. looks just like that. So go ahead and hit that like button. Make sure that you are subscribed. We hit 10,000 last week. That was a monster, monster accomplishment, and we cannot thank you enough for getting us to that point. But I'll be honest. We want more. There are still a large number of people that watch the shows that are not subscribed on YouTube. Go ahead and hit the subscribe button. Hit the notification bell. It's going to let you know when we go live, and that is each and every Tuesday and Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern time. We jump right back in here, and just like Parker said, it's like being at a bar. It, it, just all the same names, everybody. It's a fun community to be a part of. You have to be subscribed to the channel to jump in the chat. So make sure that you are subscribed right there. If you are not able to catch the show live, there's always the podcast version. That is the BetUS football show. That is both the college football show and the NFL show. 
both feeds right there in one. Very easy to do. You can listen to it when you are on your drive, your commute, whatever, when you're at the gym, wherever it is that you listen to podcasts and whatever app you listen to your podcast on. Make sure that you are good over there. Uh, As I mentioned before, this is the first of two this week. Every single week, we do a Tuesday show and a Wednesday show. So make sure you're here for both of those. Schedule out whatever you got to schedule. Be here live. It's going to be a good time. Uh, with that, of course, you can always jump in the chat. We do a Q&A at the end of the show every time, and it is maybe the most fun segment both days of my entire week. I, I love the rapid fire. I love just jumping in with random questions on games that we have not discussed, or uh, people ask us about playoff picks, whatever else. Jump in with whatever your question is, and we will do whatever we can to answer it uh, and give you our opinion on it. Gentlemen, let's go ahead and dive into the games. We start out on Thursday evening. And we are going to roll first with a Sunbelt matchup. Louisiana Lafayette heads to, well, it, excuse me, let me let me rephrase that. Louisiana, they don't like the Louisiana Lafayette, but <laughs> regardless, Louisiana, the Ragin' Cajuns head to Hattiesburg, Mississippi to take on Southern Miss. That's right, Will Hall's bunch. It is a pick em. the latest number at BetUS. The total sits at 43.5. It's at M.M. Roberts Stadium, and those guys have been a fun home-field atmosphere for the Golden Eagles. It's 7.30 p.m. Eastern time on Thursday, and it's on uh, ESPN2. So pay attention to where you're watching the ball game. Of course, there is another uh, game on Thursday night. may not be as entertaining as this one. Uh, it's the first meeting since 2008 for these two teams. They are now conference foes since Southern Miss joined the conference. Southern Miss is 6-0 and straight up against Louisiana, 5-1 and against the spread. Now, that dates all the way from 2008 back to like the mid-90s. So I don't know how much stock you really put into that. Uh, Louisiana 8-0 against the spread against winning teams. Southern Miss is 8-2 against the spread in their last 10 games overall. They are continuing to find ways to win games even though their offense is uh, putrid, I will say. They're just not a great offense. Uh, and in this situation, you really got two bad offenses against two good defenses here uh the last five weeks louisiana number 105 ppa per drive against southern miss who is number 38 ppa per drive on defense Uh, southern miss is number 118 ppa per drive on offense louisiana number 34 ppa uh, per drive on defense Uh, the southern miss quarterback zach wilkie is at least a competent quarterback the issue that we have run into in the last three ball games is he has thrown three touchdowns and seven interceptions and yet southern miss is two and one in those three games like the only loss being to Troy, uh, which I mean that's nothing to hang your head about. Troy's a really good football team. This what I'm trying to figure out here, and Parker, we're going to start with you on this. Uh, the defense for Southern Miss is number 23 in standard downs PPA, so they are really good at getting teams into those third down spots. Uh, they're number 63 in passing downs PPA, so they're not as good at getting teams off the field. What I want to know here is, you know, the turnovers, everything else. What do you see out of Southern Miss that would lead you to believe that this is an offense that maybe is heading in the right direction? Well, you definitely have to um, look at, you know, recently they've had uh, a couple more dominant, uh, dominance, too big of a word, a couple more competent stretches here um, against uh, against Arkansas State, against Texas State here. I think the big play is they're just trying to play this, um, you know, very, can I, can I be, um, 
take care of what I can take care of, make the plays we know we can make, avoid these big disastrous plays, and uh, and then try and try and uh, take advantage of good starting field position on offense. So on, on defense, you know, I have a little bit of split, 34th against the pass, 62nd against the rush. That's enough to make me think maybe there's some selection issues there with with how poorly they're defending the rush. But it's not like Louisiana's great at rushing. They're 116th in EPA per rush on the season. Um and so that definitely that, that kind of matchup there, I think, will be uh, a little bit more interesting just because uh, Louisiana's offense has looked like in certain matchup situations, they can move the ball decently. Um, and then other times they've, they've kind of looked feckless this year. Uh, Southern Miss, I, I, you know, this this defense is 33rd overall in EPA per play. Um, and, and I think that I actually have them a little more balanced on early downs versus third and fourth downs, 53rd on early downs. Uh, EPA allowed and 61st and third and fourth down success rate allowed. So slightly worse in those third down situations. Um, and, and, uh, but that's not something that Louisiana does very well. One, one thing I think will determine the game, um, overall will be how Louisiana does on early downs. They're 101st in EPA per play on first and second down compared to that, uh, 53rd for Southern Miss's defense on the flip side, uh, Southern Miss is second in starting field position, um, on offense. So they are benefiting from defense and special teams. That's signs of, of good coaching. That's signs of being set up for success, but they have been, um, abysmal, even as they've been a little bit better the last couple of weeks in terms of outcomes, they're still 123rd in offense, 110th in passing, 125th in rushing. What I'm looking for here is can Southern Miss get enough good advantageous starting field position situations to, you know, put some pressure on this Louisiana defense that's fifth against the pass, but 55th against the rush. Uh, it's it's going to be really hard for them to move ball, move the ball well here um, on that 13th overall rated uh, Louisiana defense. So an interesting matchup here. I'd have a slight lean towards Southern Miss to cover just because I think it's going to be pretty low. Um, in terms of uh, total points scored. But again, I'm skeptical that the Southern Miss offense can week in, week out, carry them in spots they need to be carried. I, I'm with you. That it, it terrifies me because I am a Will Hall fan. I like what he's doing with the program. Uh, it takes a really long time to rebuild it, though, I believe. Uh, Kyle, we'll move over to you. Since Ben Wooldrich came in as the starter for Louisiana, uh, he's got eight touchdowns and one interception. And it's it's been the last three ball games. They lost to South Alabama by three. They uh, they won at Marshall, and they beat Arkansas State like a drum. Beat them by three touchdowns. Uh, eight TDs, one interception, and the passing rate has, or excuse me, the QBR has been really really good. And what terrifies me here uh, about this total for sure at forty three and a half, which it has not moved. You look at Southern Miss, and I talked about the interception problems. It, they are number one thirty one. In interception rate, it's 6.92% of their passes are intercepted. Louisiana, number eight in defensive interception rate, they intercept the ball on 4.78% of their passes. Uh, if if Southern Miss is, like, maybe they're good enough to run it without having to pass, uh, but I worry that they are going to give up some short fields in this situation. Uh, what are you looking at as far as the, uh, the total goes, maybe? Yeah, you know, I think that um, in this one, uh, I have to look to the under. Um, I know it's a low number. I think it's low for a very good reason. Both of these teams have done a good job not giving up explosive plays, which is important when you have a low total. Certainly, both teams have only allowed 10 plays of 30 yards or more so far this year. I wouldn't expect many big plays in this game. I do uh, echo your thoughts, Gary, that I'm a bit worried that Wilkie could throw some of those interceptions. Hopefully, they're not pick sixes. Hopefully, they're uh, you know uh, picked off in the end zone or something like that where it's a touchback. But um yeah, I think Louisiana is is an interesting case because uh, at the beginning of the year, people thought that they'd be at least decent. You know, they were so good last year. 
Then they were embarrassed by Rice and ULM, uh, and yet they're five and two ATS on the season. So it's kind of a weird uh, split for them. They bounced back thanks to their defense primarily. They're number nine in the country in defensive grade at PFF. Uh, they're 26th in yards per play allowed. They have 19 sacks so far this year, and Southern Miss does have a weak offensive line. Uh, this is a Southern Miss team that's really aggressive on defense, too. 62 tackles for loss. Uh, on the season, really scrappy bunch on defense. I think the Southern Miss defense is underrated by most people. 14th in success rate allowed. Southern Miss has had really bad quarterback play. You go back and look at uh, Wilkie. He's had one game he played well, and that was against Tulane. Um, the last few games, his offensive grade at PFF, 37.4, 38.6, 39.0. About as bad as you'll see. So uh, it's, it's interesting. Southern Miss was down to like their last play last week. It was fourth and four. From their own 47, they throw a 53-yard touchdown pass to win. Uh, a couple weeks ago, they beat Arkansas State right at the end as well. I think this will be a close game here. Uh, this is one where I hope Southern Miss runs the ball more than throws the ball <laughs> because uh, I'm hoping they use up the clock. Uh, this is this is a, a game that I think should be a tight, low-scoring game all the way. Um, I, like I said, I think it's slow for a good reason. Louisiana's defense has really impressed me here of late, and I think Southern Miss is underrated defensively. Both teams play relatively slowly. I think Woldridge is a decent quarterback, but he hasn't gone against really good defenses uh, too often. I think Southern Miss can give him trouble. I think this is one of those 20-17 to 17 type games, so I'm going to take the under here. I like it. Let's make it official. Kyle is going to roll with the under 43.5 in Southern Miss and Louisiana on Thursday night. We'll stay in the Thursday night theme and let's go ahead and move over to the Pac-12. Utah heads to the Palouse Pullman Washington Martin Stadium. Washington State, a seven and a half point home dog here. Utah won this matchup last year, 24 to 13. Uh, again, the line seven and a half. The total at 55. Of course, latest numbers at BetUS. This is a 10 p.m. Eastern Time kick on FS1 on a Thursday night. So super, uh, super late weeknight game. Uh, Parker, I want to start with you here. Since 2011, Washington State is 6-3 and three against the spread against Utah. Um, you look at some of these trends, Utah is 5-1 and one against the spread after a spread loss, which they did have against USC. Of course, now they've had the bye week. Uh, Washington State, 5-1 and one against the spread after a straight-up loss, which they had. Uh, Cam Rising is the entire offense for Utah here. I- I'm curious what you see in this matchup between the Cougars and the Utes. A couple of numbers really stand out to me here. Um, Utah's uh, EPA per pass is 14th on offense, and Washington State's is 90th on defense. So whereas Washington State's been decent on defense against the run, 44th overall, they really have struggled against the pass. Um, and specifically, they've struggled on early downs, 87th on uh, early downs EPA allowed. Utah, on the other hand, is averaging 0.15 EPA per play on early downs. That's good enough for 15th in the nation. Um, and, and so I really think that Utah is going to be able to kind of methodically stay ahead of the chains here. Um, I like Washington State and kind of the vision of let's get a dynamic quarterback. Let's play some harder-nosed defense than than people expect. And for instance, the Oregon game, they they lost, but they covered. I was really impressed with their ability to just um, – it's, it's exactly that. Western Kentucky 2021 offense where you can't count them out of literally any game because with one play, 
uh, Cam Ward can make a stupid throw and get you back in the game. So that's always a little worrisome when you're betting a side here. But given that Washington State's passing offense has been so bad, if that pressure on Cam Rising kind of lets him move around, I think they should move the ball pretty well. Uh, on the flip side, you know, Utah's defense is, is is historically bad for them. They're 71st in EPA per play. It's a really underwhelming season. And specifically, they're bad at, at success rate. They're 98th in success rate allowed. Um, uh, so, so very, you know, not allowing these big explosive plays, which would be the kind of plays that Washington state would like to exploit, but really just allowing people to stay on schedule and move the ball pretty decently. 103rd in EPA per rush, Washington state's offense has not really shown, you know, that dynamic, can we run the ball? They've got two guys, you know, Nikia Watson's only five is 5.1 yards per attempt. Jalen Jenkins, 6.8. So they have some potentially potential guys there, but I don't know if they can get the success they need in the run game. Uh, to consistently move the ball against Utah to create those opportunities for big plays there as well. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of with you here. I, I look at what Washington State has done. Uh, they've lost three or four, but that was at Oregon State, at USC, and then against Oregon. I mean, those are all losses that you would kind of expect, uh, and they weren't all just bone-crushing defeats. Like, they didn't get blown out in any of them. Um, but the offense is is weird, and it's especially weird for where this game is, is, you know, at the Palouse. Uh, Kyle, we'll move over to you. Uh, I look at this, you know, Washington State number 11 in pass rate. I mean, they throw the ball over 69% of the time, um, but they're only number 89 PPA per pass, so they're not super consistent with it. They, they're consistent as far as they continue to do it, but they're not consistently successful with it. So I don't know if they'll be able to take advantage of Utah's uh, deficiencies on defense this year. What uh, what are you seeing in this matchup? Yeah, I want to start off by saying uh, Utah had a bye week coming into this, so it's like 12 days, and I thought it was interesting to um, read Kyle Whittingham's thoughts on this. He says, quote, this is the ideal scenario uh, regarding the schedule. He loves the two uh, days short of two weeks because it's almost kind of like giving you two bye weeks. You have extra time to prep for the next game as well. Uh, you know, so they had 12 days to get ready for this one, then they get a couple extra days to get ready for Arizona as well. Utes coming off that really emotional win over USC, certainly. Um, in my opinion, Utah has underachieved quite a bit so far this year. They did pull off that win against USC. I'm really surprised that Utah defense has been as weak as it's been this year. Can they fix those uh, issues in the bye weeks here? Uh, we'll see. Uh, Utah has really disappointed me on the defensive line. Usually you can just count on their defensive line being amazing this year. It really hasn't been. Uh, I do think Utah can probably get to the quarterback some in this one. Washington State is 83rd and pass blocking grade at PFF. Utah will bring the heat here in this one. Uh, you know, the Washington State offense, a lot of people talked about how, you know, with Cam Ward and, and the new setup, that they would be a high-flying offense. And other than just throwing the football a lot and playing pretty quickly, you know, this mm -hmm. offense really hasn't been very good. So uh, Washington State defense has been better than the offense uh, how about Dalton Kincaid, though, in that last game? 15 catches for 217 yards. I was thinking about Dalton Kincaid when Gary said it was just Cam Rising. I, don't disrespect <laughs> Dalton Kincaid like that. You know, that was a huge game. Uh, Cam Rising is a great fit in this offense, though. He's done a good job. Uh, Kincaid breaking out like that is huge for them. I would want to bet Utah in this game, but I would want it a little bit cheaper than this. Uh, the price is just a little bit too high for me. I still lean this way. I looked this up uh, last night. Whittingham is 63% ATS in regular season games when he has more than a week to prepare. So uh, I think he is a good coach when he has extra time. Uh, I think he's a very good coach in general. That would certainly be the way I would lean in this game. 
that is the way that I am going to go. I, I'm going to make it official. I'm going to take Utah to cover here. The bye week especially helps. If this game had been last weekend, uh, you would have had to have taken Washington State just based on the situation, right? Massive home win over USC, emotional night. Uh, you know, all the all the situation dynamics would play into it. In this situation, Thursday night, I know it's on the road, but it's not a short week. I, I think that that situation certainly helps Utah. I think they're going to find ways to generate that pass rush like you were just talking about, Kyle. I, I feel good about this Utah team going forward. They got over that USC hump. They are still only one loss in the Pac-12, and it feels like people are just completely writing them off. You know, we had the monster Oregon-UCLA game last week. People are still talking about both of them and USC for the Pac-12 title. I, I would not count out Utah just yet. No, the defensive numbers are not there, but as you mentioned, Kincaid, I think I said this on the show, I, I don't feel like they were going to miss Keithy very much because Kincaid can do all of the same things, and he proved it, right? I think that against that Washington State linebacking core uh, that I don't believe can cover very well, I think that Kincaid is going to have another big day, maybe not as big as what he had against USC, but it it plays right into what Utah wants to do on offense. I think they're going to come out. I think they're going to cover the 7.5. I'll make it official. Give me Utah to cover the 7.5 here. Uh, I feel I feel pretty good about this one. Pretty good. All right, we'll move on, and we have got a monster game in the Big Ten. I mean, just monster. Beaver Stadium, Happy Valley, Penn State, a home underdog to Ohio State, 15.5 is the current line. The total sits at 61. It's 12 p.m. Eastern time, uh, big noon on Fox. You guys know what this is. Ohio State won last year, 33-24. to 24. And look, I... Penn State always plays this team really, really well. They are 5-1 and one against the spread against Ohio State in the last six. And it doesn't matter if it's at home or away or whatever, uh, but Ohio State always wins. Ohio State's 9-1 and one straight up in the last 10 in this situation. Kyle, let's start with you on this. Uh, C.J. Stroud has been awesome, but he has thrown a pick in four straight games. It, it hasn't hurt them too much because they've been ahead uh, in all of them. Uh, Iowa held this team to 2.2 yards per rush on 30 carries. I, I don't know that Penn State's defense is really going to be able to slow them down. They're number 30 in PPA per drive on defense. What what are you seeing between these two teams? Yeah, I mean, um, uh, Ohio State had some trouble with the Iowa defense for sure the other day. You know, um, I was at the game, and I, I think even more than uh, before, I really feel for Iowa's defense. I mean, seriously, this is a really good Iowa defense that's kind of just being wasted because the offense is that bad. Uh, one of the guys sitting near me said something like, uh, should Iowa just punt? I mean, like, you know, they get the first or second down, they should just punt. And it's like, you know, that sounds like a ridiculous idea. But then you're like, you know, I mean, six turnovers, they're probably going to throw a pick six pretty soon. Uh, you know, obviously, that would uh, make the defense even more tired. But you understand the sentiment, certainly. Uh, I think Ohio State's defense is clearly very good. But uh, though as a Buckeyes fan, I kind of posted there the other day on Twitter and I took some heat from some Buckeyes fans as well. Uh, I think they've gotten a little bit overvalued on offense. You know, people start talking about the fact that this is the best offense they've seen, you know, better than any offense in years. I think they're a little bit overrated uh, in that sense. They're a very good offense. CJ Stroud's very good. He's made a few really poor decisions here lately, but uh, the Buckeyes offense is good. They haven't ran the ball as well as I'd like to see as a Buckeyes fan. The question is, what is the Buckeyes defense? So if you look at their stats, you know, they look very good defensively, but which good offense have they played so far this year? They really haven't played a good offense all year. Uh, you know, you could argue that like Toledo is the best offense that they've played, you know, Toledo or Wisconsin and Wisconsin, you know, they can run the ball, but they can't throw it. 
Uh, the Buckeyes defense is clearly better than last year, but we don't know how much better yet. Uh, I think Penn State's defense is really good against the pass and excellent secondary. They're, them against the run uh, does worry me if, if you're betting Penn State in this one. I think Henderson and Williams could have a big day in this one. Um, offensively, Penn State really relying on the big play. Uh, they, they've had a lot of big plays this year. You remember that Michigan game when they really couldn't move the ball at all, but they did have some big plays, and that's the only way they moved the ball. Uh, Clifford can scramble, have some success that way. Uh, they're 79th in success rate on offense, but 11th in explosiveness. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of hoping this is me being a pessimistic fan and keeping my expectations down some, but my lean here is Penn State plus the points. Penn State always plays Ohio State well, and Gary... Um, Ohio State doesn't always beat Penn State. I was at that game when they <laughs> lost by the block kick, ran back for a touchdown in, in State College. So uh, they don't always beat Penn State. Uh, I'm glad as a Buckeyes fan this is not a night game because, man, it gets crazy in uh, State College at night. But I'm going to lean Penn State plus the points, but nothing strong for me. I, I can understand where you're coming from. It, you can't help but see that Penn State just seems to match up fairly well against Ohio State every year, even if they can't always get over the hump, right? Uh, Parker, let's move it over to you. You know, Sean Clifford last week against Minnesota's defense, 23 out of 31 passing, 295 yards, four touchdowns. He did have the one pick. Uh, can he replicate that kind of a performance against Ohio State? I mean, uh, the running backs uh, actually carried for five-plus yards against Michigan and Minnesota. Like, I think they need a big game from the running backs as well, and that's really what Sean Clifford uh, has to have in order for him to have a big day passing as well. Is that what you're seeing? Yeah, absolutely. It's the, you know, I talk about that concept of like the rushing floor and, and Penn State's rushing floor hasn't been there all season. When it's been there, they've been able to move the ball a little bit like in that Minnesota game, but 101st in EPA per rush, 117th in rushing success rate for Penn State here. So not um, not excellent in terms of the run game, although um, you could you could argue maybe a little bit better than, than it was last year. Um, that's that's the biggest thing for me is that like Penn State's going to have to run the ball to one control the pace a little bit. I think they're going to try. They're 72nd in, in rush rate over expected. They're, they're balanced. They need a good mix of run and pass to make this offense go. But 101st in EPA per rush, Ohio State's defense is third in EPA per rush. And so, of course, your opponent adjust that, and you'll get something more like, you know, 28 for for Ohio State and maybe 70s for, for Penn State's rushing attack. But that's still not good. That still doesn't really change the equilibrium there, that Penn State is going to have a really hard time running the ball against this Ohio State defense. Um, and on the flip side, I mean – you could have a really good day and average, you know what they're, they're averaging um, 2.82 net points per or points per drive on offense, which is 33rd overall. You could do that against Ohio state and still lose by 20 um, because they're going to score. It's not so much that it's CJ Stroud. It's that they have this stable of wide receivers who are just absolute freaks. And, and one of the deepest wide receiver rooms we've ever seen. Um, I, I, I think about CJ Stroud. I'm actually encouraged by the mistakes um, because I think that they are trying to test really the limits of this offense against inferior opponents and say like, what could we do in a, in a mad scientist laboratory experiment kind of way? Uh, his average depth of target is up, uh, uh, you know, half a yard this, uh, this season from last season. And his drop percent is, is less than a third or excuse me, less than one third of what it was last year. So he's putting, you know, he's taking a little bit more risks. He's pressing the ball further downfield as they're planning. Um, it's getting a lot more to the receivers and, uh, and, and really helping them, I think, explore new ways that this offense can just absolutely fly. So um, average depth of target over 10 in every game, except last week against Iowa. Um, 
but his turnover worthy play rate is still, um, you know, it's up a little bit from, from last year, still only 4.2. So I think that what CJ Stroud offers you is, is more uh, of a selection of potential downfield kind of targets than it is necessarily the idea that like, Oh, maybe he's making bad decisions. I'm more inclined to believe that they're really testing what they can do here. Um, the, the run game for Ohio state, I think has been pretty, pretty great as well. Second in EPA per rush Penn state's defense is good against the pass, 16th, but they're also 34th against the rush. I think that if, Penn State has to commit any extra bodies to fill a gap in the run game, they're going to get penalized in the um, they're going to get penalized in the pass game. Excuse me. And uh, I, I saw that comment about Clifford keeping the game, and a million com- million thoughts went in my head there. Um, uh, yeah, that's that's going to be. Um, I'll come back to that. Penn State's defense is has been really heavy towards the pass, but we've seen what a run game can do. I think that Ohio State's run game being second in EPA per rush, being third in rushing success rate, can do to Penn State what Michigan did in the run game. And if Penn State tries to stop it, Ohio State has a passing dimension that, that Michigan can't can't tap into at all. So I, I think Ohio State should win this pretty handily. Um, I, I think that Sean Clifford is a gamer, and I think that he's capable of keeping this game relatively close. But we're talking, you know, separation by by a, a degree of points per drive over the game. This, this game's going to end up pretty lopsided. We've seen what uh, what it looks like for, for a team to play better than Penn State and pull away, especially in that Michigan game. Um, so I'm going to ride with the Buckeyes on the road here. I think this offense is just too multidimensional uh, for for Penn State to handle. And I think that Penn State's rushing attack might just, just might not have enough to get it done to keep this game within reach. I can totally understand that. Ohio State's numbers are off the charts. But I'll tell you, like it, they always seem to have issues with Penn State, and it never makes any kind of sense. And that's why I'm staying off of it. But we're going to go ahead and make it official. Parker is going to ride with the Buckeyes, and I can't disagree with it. I cannot disagree with it. Ohio State minus 15 and a half is the number that Parker is going to take. Let me go ahead and remind everybody, make sure that you are subscribed to the podcast, the BetUS Football Show, Apple, Spotify, whatever it is, your favorite podcast app. Make sure that you have uh, subscribed and leave a nice five-star review. That helps us out algorithm-wise, whatever it is. Along with that, make sure that you like this video. You guys are already rocking and rolling with the likes, and we appreciate that. Uh, let's see if we can get up to 150. That'll be the next goal, and then we'll try and hit 200 after that. But let's do 150 for now. Subscribe if you've not already done so. Hit the notification bell. lets you know when we go live. That is every Tuesday and Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern time. And, of course, jump in the chat, which you guys are already rocking and rolling. I see Arbone. I see Raven. I see ABC, Anoop, uh, Heath, etc. You guys all in there, like usual, and we appreciate you. Uh, but make sure that you are subscribed so that you can be a part of that chat. And don't forget about tomorrow's show. That's uh, that's the big thing. Wednesday, 1 p.m. Eastern time. We got a whole nother slate of games that we are going to be discussing. Gentlemen, let's dive into the next one. And I know that this is the one that everybody is here for. Boston College heads to Hartford, Connecticut. Excuse me, East Hartford, Connecticut. Pratt and Whitney Stadium. The Yukon Huskies are an eight-point underdog at home, and that is the latest number at BetUS. The total sits at 44.5 on this one. It's on CBS Sports Network, 12 p.m. Eastern time. And, guys, this one opened at 9.5, and, and, excuse me, opened at 9, raised up to 9.5. Now it's all the way down to 8. I, I look at this, and, and I'm a little concerned, maybe, um, that Boston College is less than a double-digit favorite over UConn, even on the road, but UConn five and two against the spread, their last seven at home, three and four straight up and uh, five and two against the spread in, uh, in 2022. I mean, they, they are just bleh. Like it, it's not, uh, it's not great. 
right? But they've done well so far, at least according to expectations. Um, Kyle, I'm going to start with you here. Boston College is two and five straight up, one and six against the spread so far this season. They their offensive line is just awful, and the offense can't seem to get anything going other than some explosive plays here and there. What are you seeing between the Eagles here and the Huskies? Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to lie, Gary. I think this is even for a guy who loves sicko games. It's a tough one to hype up. You know, I, I, I'm having a hard time hyping this one up, but uh, that doesn't mean there's not money to be made. And we've said that before. Um, who would want to lay more than a touchdown with, with Boston College here? I mean, I think that's supremely hard to do. I can't imagine wanting to do that. Uh, remember a few years ago in Boston College, the offensive line is basically what we knew them for. They always had a good offensive line. Really, they're one of the worst offensive lines in the country now. They're 128th in run blocking grade. Uh, Yurkovich has been in a terrible spot with getting pressured constantly. Um, UConn has been pretty good on the offensive line. They've actually been running the football pretty well. I was looking at these numbers, and I'm like, yeah, you know, this UConn team's been better than I expected running the football, certainly. And I think Mora has done a good job, all things considered, right? I mean, there was no expectations, uh, you know, for how they would do this year. I think they've kind of hung in there. They've had all kinds of injuries at running back, too. So it's not like they have their star running back and he's doing great. They, you know, they've gone through all kinds of running backs this year, still doing a good job. I tend to think that uh, the BC defense is a bit better than the overall numbers show. I think Halfley's a good defensive-minded guy. Uh, UConn and not giving up big plays. I kind of lean to the under, but this is a little lower than I wanted to, uh, to play it on. Uh, I'm going to say that my lean would be grabbing the points here just because – there's no way that I would want to lay this many points with Boston College. They've shown me nothing. You know, they, they got to show me something before I would want to do that. Uh, UConn, not a team that that uh, I'm excited to back, but you know, UConn has been a little feisty here of late, and uh, you're getting points. And now you've got that right. There's been a little bit of sharp action on the under, uh, just like you mentioned, from 46 down to 44 and a half already uh, this early in the week. Parker, we'll move over to you. Uh, like Kyle said, UConn has dealt with a ton of injuries here. They have developed through the season. I mean, they their starting quarterback went down in week one, and they just keep on going. Uh, the fundamentals certainly seem to lean UConn's way. They're number 64 in turnover margin compared to BC's number four, uh, 114. They're number 41 in penalties per game compared to BC number 84. So things like that tend to matter, especially in uh, in closer games. Uh, what do you see between these two? Yeah, somebody in the uh, Gary, somebody in the comments there just asked who picks these games to highlight. We do. There's value here. There, <laughs> yeah, um, we we love that we get to be on a show where we can talk about UConn and BC. Um, Immediately and following betting. Ohio State, Penn State. Right. Yeah, exactly. There's football for all kinds and all people. Um, I'll keep my comments brief because I don't have a play here. Uh, big, big dramatic change in styles. Rush rate over expected for Boston College. They're 18th uh, pass happy offense and uh, 127th for UConn. They're absolutely going to run the ball. Um, UConn does one thing well on defense. They kind of defend the run decently. 49th and unadjusted uh, uh, EPA per play. So that's a little bit decent there. Um, I, I will say that um, UConn's normal bad. They're not catastrophic bad. They're not apocalyptic bad. That's that's good. That's a good sign. Uh, but I don't I don't love laying <clears throat> I don't love laying points for them. I liked it if it was nine and a half. I thought maybe it might sneak up to ten because people think that maybe BC is undervalued after getting whomped by two pretty good teams the last two weeks. But um, uh, it, it's uh, maybe a chance for either one of these teams to get a, a much needed moral victory. Yeah, I, I can understand that. I I will admit. Let's go ahead and be transparent. I bet UConn at plus nine and a half. Uh, 
I'm going to make it official here. I'm still going to take UConn at plus eight. It is over a touchdown, uh, but it's not over one score. So that, you know, it does give me a little bit of pause. Uh, but I look at this, you know, UConn's defense is giving up 17 points per game in the last three. Boston College has averaged 12.5 points per game in their five losses this year. I don't know that Boston College has a whole lot on op- on offense other than Zay Flowers, right? If they can keep uh, Yurkovich upright, then I think that he'll have some time to throw. But you look at what UConn's doing on defense, they're number two in pass explosion allowed on defense over the last five weeks. Like, they have really shored up that part of the secondary. The secondary's actually been pretty good. I, I think that what Boston College is capable of doing UConn can defend, and I think this is going to be a pretty, pretty tight ball game uh, in that spot over a touchdown. Yeah, I'm going to roll with UConn. I know it's weird to look at, but again, this team is 5-2 and two against the spread in their last seven at home. They are 5-2 and two against the spread thus far this year. Like, I, I think Jim Mora is doing some pretty interesting things there, and I do believe in Jeff Halfley as a defensive coach, and I think he's going to end up being a pretty good uh, head coach, but with no offensive line, it just gets really, really difficult to be able to score points. And is this one of those where you think you can just sleepwalk through and get a win? Yeah, we'll see. Uh, you know, this team doesn't get a whole lot of wins at Boston College. So maybe they show up and they absolutely blow out UConn. It's possible. But I'm going to ride with the numbers. I like UConn in the spot. So let's make it official. I will take UConn plus the eight on this one. We're moving along to a, a bigger brand matchup. And we're moving to Arkansas, heading to Auburn. Jordan-Hare Stadium. I don't know how feisty these guys are going to be at 12 p.m. Eastern time on the SEC Network. But Auburn tends to have some crazy magic stuff happen there. I've talked about it all year. Uh, The total sits at 61. Auburn is a a 3.5-point home dog, latest numbers at BetUS. And Auburn won this matchup last year, uh, 38-23. to Now, it was a little bit earlier in the year. They still had Bo Nix playing for them, etc., Auburn is 6-0 and straight up, 5-1 and against the spread in their last six against Arkansas. They just seem to have the Hogs number for whatever reason. Uh, Arkansas is 7-3-1 and in their last 11 against the spread on the road. Uh, Auburn, 1-5 and against the spread in their last six at home. Parker, let's start with you. This is a perfect defensive matchup for Auburn. Right? Arkansas is number 112 in pass and rush explosiveness allowed. Uh, Auburn is number 5 in passing explosiveness, and number 11 in rushing explosiveness. Um, They're not consistent, but they have big playability, and there are holes in that Arkansas defense. What are you seeing uh, in in this matchup? For all the nonsense that's going on at Auburn, uh, both normative and off-field, there are plenty of teams who have a worse bailout strategy than hand the ball to Tank Bigsby 40 times a game. Um, You know, (laughs) legitimately good guy. They've got athletes, and uh, they're 42nd in EPA per rush and 64th in in, in rushing success rate. So they've moved the ball pretty relatively decently uh, along the ground. One area I think they could exploit if they're playing for third manageable in the run game, they're 61st in third and fourth down success. Arkansas's defense, 106th. Um, and, and not to go too far and say, uh, something like Arkansas's defensive secondary is the, you know, the, the cure for the common offense, but the, the Razorbacks have shown that their defensive secondary can be exploited. And, uh, so maybe Auburn can get a little bit of, um, 
uh, some benefit there. They're 29th in EPA per pass allowed compared to Arkansas's 10th EPA per pass on offense. So there is a kind of nice uh, symmetry to these two teams here. My numbers have this, again, context-free. I don't know which teams are playing. I just know how they perform statistically this season uh, within about a point, a point and a half. Uh, and so um, I just don't know that Auburn, again, from a betting strategy, is is a team that I can – uh, rely on in any situation uh, with how tumultuous things have been off-field. Um, their rushing floor is very high, and that's very attractive uh, if, for, for, for me, though. Yeah, I can. I, I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you on this. Uh, on the other side, you know, Arkansas's offense, number 23 in standard down success rate, and Auburn is number 81 on defense. So I, I have to wonder is Auburn going to be able to get Jefferson and Rocket Sanders and company off of the field? Kyle, you know, we'll move over to you. Uh, even when Arkansas gets behind the chains, they're number 21 in pass down success and Auburn's defense is number 84. Like if Auburn can't get their defense off the field, it's going to be a long day for them. So what, what are you seeing between the Tigers and the Razorbacks here? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, Auburn has been sneaky explosive on offense, uh, especially in the run game. You know, Bigsby is such a good runner. Uh, they ran for 301 yards against Ole Miss. Uh, they did allow 448 rushing yards in that game. <laughs> well, goodness, what a game. Um, Tank Bigsby is going to be a problem for Arkansas. You know, I think even if they do load up the box, they're probably not going to have that much success uh, stopping him. The Razorbacks are 122nd in rushing play success rate allowed. They're 128th in explosiveness allowed. Remember that Alabama game where, I mean, Arkansas's defense is just so prone to giving up massive plays on the ground. Overall, Arkansas has allowed six plays of 60 yards or more so far this year, which is tied for last in the country. Uh, on the other side, I think K.J. Jefferson and company should have a really big day here against an Auburn defense that's uh, pretty weak. You know, Auburn's giving up 5.4 yards per carry in the SEC. Uh, Arkansas, for all of their um, shortcomings this year, they do have a really good offensive line. And, uh, you know, that shouldn't be shocking to anybody. They've been hitting enough uh, deep passes to keep the the defenses honest. And I think the strength of these two teams on offense kind of uh, makes it a really tough matchup for the two defenses where they're weak. Uh, so I, I like the over in this one. Also, I think uh, Robbie Ashford, while he's not consistent, uh, he has some big playability either way, right? You know, he could throw a pick six or he could throw a long touchdown pass. Um, I like the over in this one. I think this could be a high-scoring game with a lot of explosive plays both ways. Arkansas, you know, uh, rolled, uh, what was it, 52 points or something like that against uh, BYU. It did and, that in three quarters. <laughs> yeah, that's a, it was insane, you know, at BYU. So maybe that says more about BYU, but I do think Arkansas's offense has looked pretty good, and Arkansas defensively is uh, has a lot of shortcomings. Arkansas plays very quick, too. So tempo-wise, I think this game should be fine. Uh, I'll take over 61 for this game. I like it. Uh, yeah, the last time that Arkansas was a road favorite, by the way, before LSU last year, uh, was 2018 at Colorado State, and they lost the game outright as a two-touchdown favorite. So just something to uh, to pay attention to. Auburn, yeah, as you mentioned, Kyle, number 122 in giveaways per game. Robbie Ashford uh, can, can let that ball fly to anybody. It doesn't matter who it is. Arkansas, however, number 21 in giveaways per game. They do a pretty good job of not turning the ball over. Uh, so let's make it official. I, I like where you're going with this, Kyle. He's going to go over 61 on this one, and I cannot disagree. I think there's going to be a lot of points here. We'll move along over to the Big 12, and what a matchup we have here. Oklahoma State off that massive win over Texas. They are headed to the Little Apple. Manhattan, Kansas, Kansas State, 
a one and a half point favorite at home. The total sits at 56. Of course, latest numbers at BetUS and Kansas State coming off of a loss to TCU. Now, Bill Snyder Family Stadium, I'm sure, will be uh, pretty amped for this one. Anytime the Pokes come in, it's going to be a good time. Oklahoma State won this matchup last year, 31 to 20, and uh, you know what? I'm going to go on and give you some of these trends here. Oklahoma State, 13 and three against the uh, against the spread on the road in the last 16. And that's against winning teams. Kansas State, 4-1 and one against the spread in their last five at home. Uh, Kleiman has been just a, a covering machine. But Oklahoma State, 5-2 and two straight up in the last seven against Kansas State. They are 3-4, and four, however, against the spread in the last seven against Kansas State. I want to know what the Martinez situation is. That's my biggest question here. Uh, the Kansas State defense has given up five-plus yards per play in four of the last five games. Uh, they're number 83 PPA per drive in that span. In the last five weeks, they are number 37 in passing success rate, number 87 in rushing success rate. So when you look over at Oklahoma State, their defense has been torched recently. Uh, still only one loss, thanks to the offense. Uh, they're number 103 PPA per pass the last five weeks, the defense is. Uh, but look, they're number 27 in passing success rate. So I'm I'm a little confused uh, with this team. Kyle Let's start off with you on this. I, I'm, I'm so, I want to say that Oklahoma State is not what they appear to be as far as their record is concerned, but you can't deny the wins and losses, right? I, I know the numbers may look a little fraudulent, but this team continues to find ways to win under Mike Gundy. Yeah, I mean, Gundy's a fantastic coach. You know, I, I feel like I'm a, a Gundy cheerleader, and it's not me saying uh, I, Gundy's my favorite coach or anything, but he has covered spreads consistently. He's been very good. And um, this, I think this is a fantastic coaching matchup in general, right? I mean, Kleiman's an excellent coach. So, you know, as far as coaching matchups, they don't get much better than this one. I think to say Kansas State was badly banged up in the TCU game is an understatement. Um, <laughs> I, I actually sent out Kansas State plus three and a half as a free play from my newsletter this past weekend. And I had a guy respond Sunday and say that was one of my worst selections he's ever seen from me. I'm thinking, man, I, that's a rough one because, you know, they were had 28 to 10 in the second quarter. Adrian Martinez not playing. Will Howard lighting it up. And then, you know, Howard goes out for a while and the, the freshman did not look good at all, obviously. Uh, I think that was such a weird game. You know, I, that was one of the weirdest games I've seen. Uh, just coming back and being able to see the end of that game, I was like, wow, I cannot believe that, uh, you know, Kansas State's blowing this lead. But then when you get some context of, I believe it was seven players got knocked out by injury and four of them didn't come back in the game. Uh, I, I have to say props, too, to Parker for pointing out that uh, TCU has had some pretty uh, interesting games where they've had quarterbacks getting injured against them. And, you know, this is not to say anything against TCU. It's just saying that uh, like four games in a row, they've had guys who uh, either went out or you had Spencer Sanders playing through an injury. Uh, TCU is having a fantastic season. Uh, props to the Horn Frogs for sure. But I think that Adrian Martinez's status in this game is just so massive that it's hard to make a bet on this game. You know, how do you, how do you bet this game without knowing? Uh, I think Will Howard and that game had a lot more success than I would expect him to have going forward. Uh, you know, I, I don't think Will Howard is is uh, anywhere is equal equal to uh, uh, Adrian Martinez, and uh, that's you know it, it might be the worst kept secret in football. But you know, Texas was whistled for 14 penalties, and Oklahoma State had zero penalties last week. Uh, I know that everybody's probably heard that 10 times by this point, but 
Um, kind of my side note is why did Texas refuse to run the ball in key spots last week? I thought that was kind of weird. Ewers with 49 passes, Bijan Robertson having a really good game. thought that was kind of surprising. Kansas State is plus 0.97 yards per play margin on the season compared to only plus 0.22 for Oklahoma State, which kind of goes to what Gary was saying. Somehow Oklahoma State's winning these games, even though they're really not dominating any of them. Uh, I would want to take Kansas State here usually, but you know their injury situation makes this a really tough one to bet for me. Uh, and of course, Mike Gundy. Like his record against the spread is just absolutely absurd. Uh, so I, I'm I'm with you, Kyle. Like the numbers just don't look right for uh, you know a Big Twelve contender, but they keep finding ways to win. Uh, Parker, let's move it over to you. Kansas State is number one twelve on third down conversion offense. Oklahoma State is number three on defense. Uh, Kansas State needs to stay at the head of the chains here. What what are you seeing between these two? Yeah, so a couple of just uh, housekeeping notes generally. Uh, Adrian Martinez, they said they're going to make a call on Thursday. He actually had a bone bruise that he suffered in the Iowa State game, didn't really practice full contact, and the first run of TCU game, he got hit and said immediately, nope, I can't play. Like, this is not <laughs> happening. Um, and so there's issues about whether he's going to be back, but he's not practicing yet. So even if he plays on Thursday, that's a week where he really hasn't, you know, more than a week where he really hasn't practiced. Um, so that makes that makes it worse. And that being said, you know, Kansas State absolutely had opportunities. There's a, uh, a post at the end of the game last week where if Will Howard had put it maybe three inches lower, uh, Kansas State is is within a field goal with about six minutes left. So and it gets um, real close there. At that yeah, end. <laughs> it gets very interesting. Um, I will say without breaking news, I, I do think there are some kind of structural issues as to why between the differences between Martinez and uh, Howard as to why the lead got so big for Kansas state early on um, that I don't know are going to be predictive against other defenses kind of going forward about Oklahoma state. Yes, they benefited from penalties, but eight of those penalties on Texas were pre-snap. So yes, it's, it's kind of unlikely that Oklahoma state didn't have like a single holding call in the entire game, but Texas also played a very sloppy game. And if Quinn Ewers had hit some balls uh, deep, I mean, that were wide open, I, I think Texas could have absolutely blown them out. So from a predictive sense, I'm actually a little worried about Oklahoma State, which is why I don't have them in this spot here. There's uncertainty about the Kansas State quarterback, uncertainty about um, Oklahoma State kind of week of a week. Like, are they, can they keep doing this um, generally? Uh, again, another contrast of styles, 120th on rush rate over expected for Kansas State, 44th in rush rate over expected for Oklahoma State. So very much going to run a lot with Kansas State. Kansas State is yet to prove that they have an offense that can be anything more than we're going to run nine unsuccessful plays and then Adrian Martinez is going to run for, for 30 yards or Deuce Vaughn's going to run for 30 yards. They are 83rd in offensive success rate. Um, that's just that's just really hard to sustain over and over again. So I'd have a slight lean towards Oklahoma State because I had this game uh, as a toss up with Oklahoma State favored by less than a point. Um, but again, with the spot and the uncertainty and the uncertainty about Sanders health, uh, I'm not really sure uh, if there's if there's a smart edge here. I would be inclined to lean towards an under just the way the two teams have played. Um, but in terms of a side, I don't have a strong lean. That's I, I understand where you're coming from. My lean would be Oklahoma State, but it would not be based on numbers because I basically have this at, like you, Parker. My numbers have it effectively a pick them. It's got Oklahoma State by like 0.5 points, and I can't find a reason to bet either side here uh, other than maybe the Kansas State injury issues, right? And so that would certainly lean me towards Oklahoma State, but no official plays for us on this one because there's just a little too much uncertainty and and that dreaded feeling of eventually Oklahoma State would have to come back down to earth. But eh, we've been wrong before, so we'll see. Go on and remind everybody, like the video if you would so kindly. Let's get this thing up to 200. Y'all blew past the 150 very easily, and we appreciate that. 
go ahead and make sure that you are subscribed to the channel. That is the only way that you get to be involved in this wonderful community that we have here, uh, have here in the chat. So go ahead and subscribe. Hit the notification bell every Tuesday and Wednesday. We will be here live at 1 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, along with that, as I mentioned the chat, jump in. We're doing Q&A. We've got two more games we're going to hit. And then we do a little rapid-fire segment where we go back and forth answering as many questions as possible on the games that we have not, uh, not discussed today and the games that we will not be discussing tomorrow. <laughs> so uh, you can go ahead and jump in there. Um, podcast as well. You guys know what to do there, the BetUS football show. And let's dive into the next one. All right, we got a fun AAC matchup, and this one could potentially be an AAC title game matchup. Cincinnati heads to the bounce house in Orlando against UCF, and this one is a pick'em. The total sits at 56, latest numbers at BetUS. It's 3.30 p.m. Eastern time on ESPN, and guys, I look at this. Cincinnati just beat their doors in last year, 56-21, to and that was at Nippert, so a little bit different. Cincinnati 4-3 and straight up. They are 3-0 and in the last three uh, against UCF but three and four against the spread in the last seven against Central Florida. So something to pay attention to. Cincinnati 0-5-1 in their last six against the spread on the road, and UCF 4-0 against the spread after a spread loss. Since Look, Central Florida, UCF, excuse me, i got to make sure I get this right for, for the UCF fans. UCF uh, got destroyed by East Carolina last week thanks to some less-than-ideal turnovers from John Reese Plumley. I mean, just it was bad situation, bad spot, et cetera. Uh, and they could not stop Holt Nailers. So definitely not a good situation for them. But I do wonder how much of this was a look ahead spot because there was potential for college game day to go to Orlando last week. And it was already being talked about, et cetera. There was a chance if they had beaten ECU and Cincinnati got past uh, SMU that ESPN would have been down there. And instead, <laughs> this is what we get, right? Uh, just got absolutely beaten uh, in in East Carolina. So, Parker, I want to start with you. Uh, Cincinnati has won their last few games by 10, by 4, last week by 2, and now they are on their second straight road game. they got to go all the way from Dallas over to Orlando. In the last five weeks, Cincinnati is number 94 in offensive success rate, number 81 in points per scoring opportunity. It's not been good. They, they had... Three red zone drives that ended in field goals against SMU. They had one long touchdown run, and then they only had one long drive that ended in a touchdown. They were not able to finish drives against that SMU defense. Uh, UCF's defense is legit. What what do you see between these two? Okay, get this. Speaking of drive efficiency, Cincinnati, 42nd in echo rate, 57.5% of their quality possessions or drives end in a quality possession. 67th in points per quality possession, 4.07 there. UCF's offense, 11th in echo rate, 66.1%, 79th in points per echo. <laughs> Does anyone on these two teams want to score a touchdown at all? No. Do they? Do they actually want to? That's a deal. Last week, uh, UCF had a better success rate than uh, East Carolina. Just turnovers and they couldn't finish drives. Really, really stuck them there. Both of these teams have looked inexplicably bad at times this season. Um, despite the fact that UCF seemed to be coming on strong, they really just... 
just couldn't put it together to finish drives and take care of a game that they needed to last week. Uh, Cincinnati 14th in echo ratio, game control 16th for for UCF there. So um, I think if this was at in Cincinnati, I'd be all over the Bearcats here just because the the kind of the fundamentals of UCF. I I think they're getting better. I thought they were improving, but seeing that game last week, 66th in passing success, 12th in rushing success. Um, maybe they can. You know, maybe they can exploit this Cincinnati defense. It's been 87th in EPA per rush, but Cincinnati's 13th in EPA per pass allowed on defense. So kind of the things that UCF wants to do and uh, it's just not not lined up well with with what Cincinnati does defensively here. Um, last thing to look at, UCF living and dying on third downs, both sides of the ball. 66th in early downs EPA allowed, but they're 18th in third and fourth down success allowed. They're 41st on early downs EPA, 41st on third and fourth down success. Third downs are going to matter so much in this game. Can UCF extend drives? Can they finish drives? I think that they should be able to keep pace. Um, maybe the bounce house is a little bit of home field advantage, a little travel weariness for Cincinnati here. So, um, I, 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 again, if this was in Cincy, I think I'd be all over the Bearcats. But uh, both both teams have looked just uh, just a little bit crazy this season. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. I am with you. Let's move it over to Kyle. Seven and one against the spread is Cincinnati in their last eight against winning teams. Uh, when you look at the fundamentals on these two teams, both of them are number 65 in giveaways per game. I mean, absolutely tied there. Uh, UCF number 35 in penalties per game. Cincinnati is number 129, just two away from the very bottom in the FBS. Uh, UCF, as I mentioned, number nine defensive scoring oppor- uh, excuse me, defensive scoring per opportunity. Uh, UCF's defense is absolutely legit. They've got some horses on that defensive line, and I think that they can give the Cincinnati offense, which hasn't been overly efficient anyway, uh, they can give them some problems. Uh, is that what you're seeing in this matchup? You know, I, I think um, the penalty thing was something I was going to point out, too. Actually, uh, Cincinnati at 86.1 yards per game in penalties, which is just awful. UCF 57.1. And I don't want to go down a rabbit hole, but every single year an AAC team is is the most penalized team. Usually there's two or three of them in the top five. Uh, those refs in the AAC are really strict, that's for sure. Uh, <laughs> Cincinnati coming off kind of what I would say is a misleading game. Uh, the Bearcats should have won by more than two points. They outgained SMU by 120 yards, 4.9 yards per play, SMU 3.6. They had 14 penalties in that game. So like we were just talking about there. Um that, that game also was played in a, a big windstorm. So I think that's part of the reason that both offenses had some uh, troubles in that one as those 20-some miles per hour wind throughout the game. So I think that had something to do with it. UCF with a really bad uh, showing against East Carolina, like you said. Plumlee with three interceptions. He now has 17 turnover-worthy plays this year. I think the key to this game is whether UCF has to throw the ball or not. Because if they're throwing the ball a lot, I am worried about UCF. I, I think Plumlee... Uh, occasionally can mix in a decent pass, but if he has to pass, I think they're in trouble. Uh, Matchup-wise, you know, um, UCF really good against the run. I think UCF secondary can be had some. So, um, you know, this is an interesting game for me. I kind of think I I lean to the under if I had to bet anything in this game, thinking that uh, both defenses are at least pretty decent. Um, I don't love picking games where I think there's going to be a ton of flags. Uh, Cincinnati could have, you know, 14 or 15 penalties on them in this game that just cost them the game. The bounce house is an underrated home field advantage for sure. So I'm going to stay off the side on this one, but uh, I think I would lean to the under in this one, thinking the defenses are pretty solid. I am not staying off the sides. I, 
and I saw a lot of people in the chat going back and forth. People talking, uh, Cincinnati's the play here, and Cincinnati's going to blow them out. And then other people saying, UCF at home is absolutely, uh, you know, we got to roll UCF. I'm rolling UCF. I'm going to take the Knights here. I like what they're doing, especially when you look at the matchups. UCF number 17 in yards per rush on offense. Cincinnati gave up over 200 yards rushing to Arkansas, who is number 25 in yards per rush, and South Florida, number 30 in yards per rush. Mobile quarterbacks have given Cincinnati problems. You look at Jerry Bohannon for USF, who is now out for the year, but when he was in against Cincinnati, did really, really good things in uh, in that offense. Same with K.J. Jefferson in Arkansas. I think Plumlee is going to be able to do a lot of the same stuff. He's averaging over five yards per carry, nearly 15 carries per game here. He is going to find ways to get that Cincinnati defense off balance. I think UCF can find ways to score where I don't know that Cincinnati will have that luxury against the UCF defense. So give me UCF in the pick'em. I already bet it at plus one. This line has kind of moved back and forth. It opened at UCF plus one, excuse me, UCF minus one, moved all the way down to UCF plus one and is now back at a pick'em. So it's, I envision it moving all over the place, uh, but I will still take it here on the show at a pick'em as it is currently set. I, I feel good about them. I think last week might have been a little bit of looking ahead to Cincinnati, for sure. All right, moving ahead, we've got one more game before we jump into the Q&A, and we are moving out to the Pac-12, and we got the Oregon Ducks, who absolutely put a walloping on UCLA last week. But Oregon, a 17-and-a-half-point favorite at Cal this week, Memorial Stadium in Berkeley, 3.30 p.m. Eastern time on FS1. The total sits at 58 on this one. So very, very interesting numbers, of course, latest at BetUS. Oregon won this matchup last year 24-17. Now, obviously, completely different Oregon team this season. Uh, the Cal team, not as good on defense this season, right? Justin Wilcox's team, eh, a little questionable, uh, you know. And obviously, I mean, the Oregon defense, certainly questionable. We, we have seen that multiple times. Um, Kyle, I'm, I'm going to start with you here. We have talked about Wilcox and, and the underdog role, and he now he's catching 17 and a half in the last 15 games. As an underdog of seven points or more, he is now 14 and one against the number. I mean, just absolutely bonkers. But we've got a trend going on the other side as well, where Oregon is now seven and0 against the spread as a touchdown or more favorite. This is two trains going head first into each other. Uh, what do you see between these two? Yeah, I mean, our, it hardly feels like a fair fight to me. Um, this Cal defense has been the strength of their team for many years. And we've said, well, you know, maybe unders are, are keeping a game close. But really, Cal's defense is bad. You know, they're kind of low-key. Their defense is not even good. So uh, Cal is 119th in defensive grade at PFF, 109th in success rate allowed. I don't think they're going to slow down Oregon's offense. It would surprise me a lot if they did. Um, and I think Dillingham deserves a lot of credit for the job that he's doing in Oregon. You know, this Oregon offense looks really good. Uh, Bo Nix has zero turnover-worthy plays in his last two games. Uh, Nix having a better season than I think anybody would have guessed at this point coming in. Coming into the season, you know, there were a lot of question marks about how is this going to work for him. Uh, Dillingham deserves a lot of credit for the job that he's done with this offense. And really, I think a lot of people wrote off Oregon too quickly after that opening uh, game against Georgia. They've really played well since then. The Cal offensive line is a big problem as well. And Oregon uh, offensive line, you could argue Oregon has the best offensive line in the country. It's certainly top three or four. Uh, they've only allowed one sack all year. 
And I was looking at this last night because a lot of times the team that leads in, in uh, least sacks allowed is like Army or Navy or somebody like that because they're not throwing anyways. Uh, but Oregon throws on 46% of their plays and still have only given up one sack. So really impressive. In the same amount of games, Kentucky, for example, has allowed 26 sacks. And I think Ar- Akron has allowed like 40 or something like that. Of course, it's Akron. <laughs> but, uh, you know, this is a, a super impressive Ducks offensive line. The 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 offense for Oregon is not going to be slowed down. So the question is, how much do you think Cal will score in this one? I kind of hate that this one's moved up a little bit. I know it was 17. It's gone up to 17 and a half. I still lean Oregon kind of against uh, the Justin Wilcox trend. I think the over is my favorite play in this one. I think Oregon scores quite a few, and then Cal comes back and scores some points at the end. So I'm going to be keeping an eye on this game and, and maybe even bet something live or second half over in this one, thinking it could be pretty high scoring. I, I can understand where you're coming from with that. I mean, this Oregon offense, how could you not take overs with this offense? Uh, Oregon is number seven in PPA margin. Cal is number 94. In the last five weeks, Oregon's offense, number one in PPA per rush. They're number 28 in PPA per pass. Uh, but the defense, I mean, this is where Cal has an opportunity here. UCLA didn't punt last week, and Oregon still blew them out in that ballgame. Um, it wasn't a, a blowout as far as the... Uh, the actual statistics, right? But the points on the scoreboard are what matters. And, I mean, they had them dead to rights almost immediately in that ballgame. So uh, Oregon is number 103 in points per scoring opportunity. Uh, so that's definitely something that Cal can take advantage of. Uh, but Cal's defense here just cannot stop the run. In the last five weeks, the number 115 in rushing success rate allowed. And they're not good against the pass either. I mean, it's, they're number 117 in pass uh, success rate. If the offense is going to find a way to to keep up in this game, they're going to have to do better than what they've done already this season. They're number 99 in points per play, so that's definitely not good. Uh, Parker, what I would look for in this matchup, if Cal is going to cover, it would have to come down to the fundamental stuff, right? Cal is number four in turnover margin. Oregon is number 51. Uh, penalties per game, Cal is number 35. Oregon is number 117. My numbers have this Oregon by 23, but Cal, especially at home, terrifies me as an underdog. Uh, what are you seeing between these two? Can I do I have time to put on my tinfoil hat really quickly? Um, <laughs> Oregon didn't actually outplay UCLA by that much. Oregon kicked an onside kick and scored a touchdown. Both teams moved the ball really, really well. So Oregon played on special teams, absolutely stole possession. You take that out, you're looking at 38-30. UCLA could have scored a touchdown instead of kicked field goals. This is like basically an even game. UCLA actually had a higher success rate than Oregon last week, um, which tells you about that Oregon defense. I think I'd been entertaining some questions about, hey, what do you know? What does your data look like if you take out the Georgia game from from Oregon stats? And um, this is what they look like. We know we know what Oregon's defense is. It's not great. Um, and so a team that has a competent offense. Uh, can can absolutely keep up with this Oregon team, I think. Does Cal have a competent offense? No. No, they don't. Um, I have them at 73rd in EPA per play, but that's driven by a couple big plays against the bad opponents. 110th in offensive success rate, 104th passing success rate, 87th rushing success rate, uh, uh, 98th in points per quality possession, 100... Um, 
120th in starting field position, 85th in early downs EPA, 99th in third and fourth down success. This offense is very bad. Um, and they're passing a lot. They're uh, minus 7.8 rush rate over expected. That's 19th most in the country. And so we're looking at uh, just incomplete, incomplete, incomplete punt. Oregon's going to have a lot of opportunities. Um, they, they, uh, I, I think they could hit the over by themselves in this game. Their offense is second overall, uh, first in success rates, um, seventh EPA per pass, first in EPA per rush. So I like Oregon's offense. I think Bo Nix last week, seven for eight on balls, 10 plus yards downfield, really showed some versatility we haven't seen. He's been very short A dot, and they've been able to carve people up. Are we seeing the counting counterpunch here from Dillingham as those safeties and those cornerbacks start to press and play for that short game? Bo Nix has said, hey man, I'll beat you over the top. I can do that. So completely new dimension there from Oregon. I think that they've unlocked as well. Um, I, I know it's a big line. I know it's Pac-12. I know it's weird. I still think that Oregon is just uh, so demonstrably the better team. I'm going to go with the Ducks this week. I I like it. I totally understand. We'll make it official. Parker, riding with the Ducks. I mean, they, there ain't nothing wrong with that, right? 17 and a half. It's nothing. It's under three touchdowns. That'll be all right. <laughs> I swear if Justin Wilcox proves us wrong again, we are never betting against him in the underdog role <laughs> ever again. It's a, that's That'll be a statement on this show. Never happening again. Uh, gentlemen, it is time for the Q&A. And I am beyond excited about this all right so let's go ahead and dive into it uh we are well o'clock the are well past the two o'clock eastern time hour so let's go on and fire in kenneth collins jumps in does anyone else see jeff george in baron morton from texas tech or is it just me parker i'm going to toss this one over to you because texas tech last week put an absolute beating on west virginia um and i did not see it coming i will i will tell you that i thought that game was going to be pretty tight what are you seeing that in Morton? Um, I mean, he's fun and they found a way to like Kitley very much is the best 11 guys on the, on the field. I'm going to make it work, whatever. And, and it done that like 76% of his yards, I think went, um, came after the catch last week and he had like a 60.5 QBR. So again, um, Texas Tech's defense did a great job at frustrating West Virginia's run game. West Virginia had five first downs inside the uh, inside the Texas Tech 40 and came away with 10 total points. They've been averaging almost 4.5 points per quality possession uh, coming into this game. They averaged less than two. Um, so just absolutely absurd their uh, defensive performance from Texas Tech. I think that was an old, old Big 12 shootout, except West Virginia couldn't run the ball and, and couldn't finish drives there. So um, Darren Morton's very fun. I think he's got a long, productive career in front of him. I think we know what he is this year. And uh, Texas Tech is, is um, like I've said all year, is being annoying. Um, and in positions to be annoying all, all, all season. So there you go. There you go. I can understand it. Uh, George jumps in Louisiana tech minus six and a half against FIU. What am I missing? Uh, Kyle, I'm going to toss this one to you. Uh, look, Florida international just beat up on Charlotte last week. Will Healy, of course, uh, got let go at the end of that. And, uh, it was interceptions really. I mean, Florida international, in some spots has appeared to be pretty competent. So I don't think six and a half is crazy. Uh, Kyle, what do you think? I, I don't know what to bet in that game. Uh, you know, FIU's defense has been a little better than I expected the last few games. I think they have improved defensively. And really, I do think they are a, um, a well-coached team. They, they've been put in an impossible spot this year. I mean, FIU had the deck stacked against them. They've been kind of sneaky, um, you know, at least somewhat competitive here of late. LaTeX defense, uh, you know, I don't want to lay points with LaTeX defense, and they haven't been able to stop anybody. So um, no strong lean there, but I, I think the line's about right. 
Uh, I am looking at it, and my number on this is actually, uh, da, 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 and I'll tell you, Louisiana Tech minus two. Wow. Hmm. So, you know, not it, it, the numbers are what the numbers are. I'll, I'll tell you that. So, <laughs> uh, Javon jumps in. Could you guys discuss Notre Dame and Syracuse? Um, let's see. He said also Wake Forest and Louisville. We're hitting Wake Forest tomorrow. So, Let's uh let's talk about Notre Dame Syracuse. Cuse played a huge game last week, and you wouldn't think that this would be a letdown spot. But even though you've got the game at home, I want both of y'all's opinion on this because I did not have a clue what direction to go with this, both situationally and just numbers wise. Uh, Parker, let's start with you on it. it I mean. What do we even do with with Syracuse getting that close to uh, upsetting Clemson on the road last week? Um, man, it's fun to see um, just how fickle college football is. They go up twenty one to seven, and you realize like, oh, basically a turnover made that uh, a, a fourteen point game instead of a game tied at fourteen, and that kind of changed the narrative completely. There, um, I think that just we we just saw that like. Clemson was a better team than Syracuse and some early volatility really helped them. And then they, you know, once Clemson kind of stopped, minimized the variance, ran more plays and and just were able to demonstrate they were the better team. Uh, the reason I don't have a play here is, is, is because I do think that there's a letdown spot spot for Syracuse. And like, I'm not here to defend the Notre Dame offense. Like Michael Mayer is awesome. And the rest of it is terrible. Um, I think he's responsible for like 40% of their targets, but I mean, UNC dropped, uh, excuse me, Notre Dame dropped 45 against UNC and Syracuse's defense has been a little bit worse uh, the last couple of weeks. Like Notre Dame against a bad defense can at least be something resembling competence. Um, but I don't believe in that strongly enough to put money on that. No, I, I'm with you. Uh, Kyle, I mean, my number on this shows Syracuse at minus 5.61 just based on the last five weeks of numbers. I... I don't like the spot. Who would have thought that Notre Dame would be a letdown spot, right? This is just weird. <laughs> yeah, that, that that's terribly weird. I, I, you know, my numbers too would say Syracuse, but I would rather bet Notre Dame if I was betting this game. I think this is a terrible spot for Syracuse, um, as you guys said. I don't know what happened. I mean, how did Sean Tucker have five carries last game? I mean, I, I was looking at that and I'm like, I think maybe I'm reading this wrong. Garrett Schrader with 21 carries. And, and Tucker, Tucker had Tucker had over ten yards per carry. Yeah, fifty-four okay. yards. Uh, and I, I saw his tweet that he sent out, which you know probably wasn't a great decision to send out a tweet like I had a great game, but tough game for the rest of oh, us. Oh, he, he does it after every game. Yeah, yeah, everyone. it's just uh, <laughs> probably not the best, but I can understand frustration certainly. Um, you know, I, I think Syracuse is a is a fun team. I, I'm not convinced that they're quite as good as as uh, you know they looked in some of these games before. I think uh, the coaching changes that they've made there, Anai's done a great job with the offense for sure. Uh, I think Notre Dame has the better talent, and you're getting the points in a in a game that's a tough spot for Syracuse. I definitely lean Notre Dame. I, I can understand that. John Davis jumps in. No, no, no. Kenneth Collins again. Uh, Parker is going to bring the, let's see, the patented, we don't use the Q word, but, oh, there we go. Uh, BYU, very disappointing team. Parker, uh, have they... It, are they are they still fighting over in Provo? Yeah, uh, not quit. They're just really bad on defense. Just just terrible. Just awful on defense. It's not a matter I think of Jared Hall is. I think Jaron Hall is hurt too. Yeah, like, there's there's great. no talent on the defensive side of the ball. It's not like these guys are like, 
hey, they could be good if they tried their best and they're just disengaged. They're just not good uh, on that side of the ball. <laughs> yeah, I can understand that. <laughs> also, Gary, you pointed this out. Where in the ever-loving heck does Hugh Freeze keep finding these random dudes who come out and throw for like 75% completion and 10 yards of dime? Bennett, Bennett had been <laughs> awful and it, because he's played in multiple games this year and he comes out, and I understand that that BYU defense is bad, but Hugh Freeze, this is three different quarterbacks this year that have done okay in his offense, but he does it all the time. It just, he is, he is gearing up for that next SEC gig. That's what he's doing. They're going to let Jimbo go and they're going to bring in Hugh Freeze. I can already tell it. That's what's going to happen. Uh, so <laughs> John Davis jumps in. What's your thoughts on UAB versus FAU? Uh, Kyle, what, what have you got on these? I, UAB hurt me so bad last week. I, I couldn't touch them this week. <laughs> Yeah, so is uh, UAB starting quarterback still going to be out? I guess I haven't seen the the update on that, but they missed him for sure. Um, and they, yeah. I think they can clear him on Thursday, if I'm not mistaken, but not before then because it was a uh, it was a Friday night game. So yeah. we'll see. More than likely, I think it's probably going to be Zeno. So we'll see. Uh, if it's Zeno, I. I... Would hate to bet UAB. I think just some of the decision making uh, was was troublesome in that game. And you know, Gary was completely on the right side in that one for the show last week with UAB. Um, I, I think UAB is the better team, but uh, you know, betting them in this spot doesn't really intrigue me too much. I think I would lean to the under here, thinking UAB's offense is less efficient. Um, I do worry about you know pick sixes or something like that, but my lean would be under. Uh, George jumped in Navy minus 13 versus Temple. Navy's better. Temple still can't score. The defense is not much better. Um, I'd, so, Parker, that Temple defense is not, like, putrid. Um, see, it's this was not a, good. It, I mean, it's not yeah. bad. It's not terrible. They're 34th in raw EPA per play, but you have to opponent adjust that. They're way better against the pass than they are the rush, though. There's your problem. There's your problem with betting Navy minus 13 is Temple's defense 20th in EPA uh, or, or betting Temple here, rather. Sorry. Um, Temple's EPA per pass is 20th uh, in the nation, 79th in EPA per rush. Um, that is not going to bode well against Navy. Yeah. No, you're you're 100% right on that. Um, Mark Holmes, please break down Oklahoma, Iowa State. Kyle, I will let you start because I would imagine Parker's going to jump in here on this one. Uh, any chance he gets to talk about Matt Campbell, I'm sure he's going to take the opportunity. But, uh, but Kyle, do you have a feel on on Oklahoma Iowa State here? Yeah, I'm just going to talk for a minute to let Parker get ready here for this one because I <laughs> I feel like Parker has a stronger take on this one than I do. I, you know, 56 as a total is kind of interesting to me in this one. You know, Oklahoma's offense. When healthy, has been very good. Iowa State plays these sloppy games that are always low scoring. So uh, I think it's, you know, who wins out the the tempo battle and gets the type of style of game that they want. Um, I don't know what to bet on the side here. I, I'm trying to look for uh, for the latest number. It, it was, I think, one and a half at one point. Um, Parker, you you got a feel on, on the, uh, here it is, Oklahoma by one on the road. So 55 and a half now is, uh, is the total. So it's going down. Uh, what, what did you got, Parker? So my numbers actually have Iowa State favored by three, but there's two important caveats there. This is aggregate team data that doesn't account for the fact that Oklahoma got blown out by Texas um, without Dylan Gabriel. 
And it doesn't account for the fact that Iowa State is intent on making every game as close as possible by committing just absurd special teams um, mistakes there. So uh, the, the the big issue for me here is Iowa State's offense. So Oklahoma's defense is terrible, 104th in EPA per play. And that's not like, hey, this guy's injured and so it's all falling apart. It's like, man, this is what they are and it is not great. But with Phil and Gabriel in there, they can score enough to put some pressure on opposing offense. Iowa State's offense is 72nd overall, 42nd in EPA per pass, 122nd in EPA per rush. They cannot pop off explosive plays like they have been able to in the past. They really are missing that get out of third down free card with Charlie Kolar. And um, without mentioning a specific player, they have somebody taking a lot of touches that probably isn't up to the spotlight. And that really hurt them in the Texas game. Um, But you look at this, Iowa State, one score losses left and right, had a chance to beat everybody as very just a few plays away from being uh, regarded as very, very good. I have them still as 28th in EPA per play margin. So um, I think they should be able to keep this one close. At home, it seems like Campbell always gets up for Oklahoma. Um, but again, I just can't bet on an Iowa State team that's going to, you know, drop a punt and throw it out of the back of their end zone and lose the game by two. I just can't do that. <laughs> I knew you were going to fit special teams in there at the end. I just, I it's knew so it bad. It's not even a joke. It's so bad. How does yeah. it keep happening? It, it is It is pretty bad. It's it, uh, no, I'm with you. I can't trust Iowa State to bet them. So even at home, you know, I, I over the last five weeks, now that includes all the time with Gabriel being gone, et cetera, I, I've still got Oklahoma by three. So, you know, uh, George jumps in, uh, Q&A for, oh, for me. Uh, I'm running to the sports. We already talked about this, Louisiana Tech and FIU. There we go. Uh, Steve Williams jumps in, Iowa and Northwestern. Help on this one. Hey, Kyle, this seems like a totals kind of game for you. Uh, the total was 31 the last I checked on it. Uh, if it closes at that, it will be the lowest point total or lowest spread total. Lowest point total. God bless America. Uh, I believe like since they have been recording totals, which is bonkers considering all the service academy games. Uh, what do you see between these two? If somebody's betting the over here in this one, Gary, it's up to 37 and a half. Um, oh, it's yeah. 38 now. Good yeah, gracious. 37 and a half, 38. Okay. Uh, I, I couldn't bet an over. I'll tell you that. Um, no. Yeah, I, honestly, 38's <laughs> getting kind of intriguing. I'm going to think about this one a little bit more, guys, after the show. I, <laughs> uh, I think that um, it's really hard for me to take really low totals like this because Spencer Petrus is very capable of two pick sixes that ruin the bet immediately. Uh, but that Iowa offense is just horribly bad. I mean, um, they just don't test you in any way. Northwestern's offense, I mean, are they much better? You know, this is a – remember the first game when it looked like Northwestern's offense might be kind of sneaky good against Nebraska, and, man, things have just fallen apart terribly. So um, I, I would, I kind of think I would take the under, honestly, and and plus, plus 11 with the total of that. I, I mean, was guys, just going to bring that up. Uh, it, it, so I, yeah. it's 11 and a half, and this is – it basically exactly what Iowa Illinois was last year uh, when you got that low of a point total and a double digit spread. I mean, that's almost screams underdog, right? On principle, I have to lean Northwestern. I mean, I don't want to bet Northwestern, but you know, uh, if you take a team plus 11 and it's 37 and a half or 38 on the total, uh, you're going to win more often than you lose in my opinion. So that's the way that's the two leans I would have in that game. I like it. Uh, moving along, we've still got a few more to hit. Illinois and Nebraska. Uh, Nebraska may lose, but but not by eight. Um, it, the polo wanted to know if we we're going to cover that tomorrow. No, uh, not discussing that one. Uh, but Parker, let's uh, let's toss it over to you. Brett Bielema's team. I mean, the defense just awesome at doing what they do. 
That team is 6-1 and one right now, and you look at their remaining schedule, and other than Michigan, like they could probably win every other game left on the schedule. And obviously, there's some tougher games, Michigan State, Purdue, etc. Uh, but, you know, it, it opened at 7. Now they're up to 8-point favorite over Nebraska, even on the road. Uh, you got any? You got any faith in Mickey Joseph's team? I mean, I have this at about like 7.9 points um, in favor of Illinois here. So, again, not a lot of value is the reason I didn't bring it up is because I was like, yeah, they did a good job setting the line here. This is about what I think is like Illinois and Nebraska, both super high in rush rate over expected 79th for Nebraska, 96th for Illinois. So slow game, few possessions, run heavy, time's running off the clock, a good defense and a decent a decent offense by by Nebraska there. Uh, so a good defense from Illinois. Um, and so, again, I, I think this should be like, you know, nine, seven to nine points. I don't I don't have a strong lean um, on, on the value there just because I don't think Illinois is the team that's going to, um, you know, pop off and score 50 points against Nebraska this weekend. Yeah, no, definitely agree. Now, we we saw him score 34 at Wisconsin, but I still don't envision that with this. I, I guess it kind of depends on how healthy Tommy DeVito is. He looked fine in the last game um, when we didn't expect him to play, but regardless. Uh, Rafael jumps in with South Florida and Houston. Uh, Kyle, going over the total, any strong leans? Uh, it's 60 and a half is the latest total for Houston, South Florida. I'm going to tell you, Kyle, I, I'm a little worried about South Florida without uh, Bohannon. I, I don't know if they can get to that point total. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Um, my numbers told me I should be betting it over here. Uh, and as soon as the, the numbers were coming out, I looked at this one and uh, I thought, I can't bet it over without Bohan. And I think it's a pretty big drop off. Um, Houston should score their points. You know, uh, I think their offense has kind of gotten on track here of late. Uh, but 60 and a half is pretty high if you don't know what one team is going to contribute. So I, I have to pass on that. Uh, the Onion Man jumps in. Any thoughts on Virginia Tech and NC State? I don't want to lay 14 on NC State without Leary, but Virginia Tech is really bad. Uh, this one, I did not even. I started looking at some of the stuff on this game and said, nope, I'm not even going to try and break this thing down. Uh, do either one of y'all, have y'all looked at this game? Because without Leary and with as bad as Grant Wells has been for Virginia Tech, and that I had hopes for that Virginia Tech defense. And they are just putrid. Like, that bunch is just not good this year. I know that they're building towards something. But as far as this year's version, it's not good. Uh, Parker, Kyle, either one of y'all got an opinion on this one whatsoever? Not, numbers have NC State, but again, without Leary, they really can't move the ball very well. And uh, so it's like, am I going to bet on, you know, Henry Columbia and their variants on offense? No. No. No, not at all. Uh, <laughs> Kyle, nothing. <laughs> He's like, nope. Uh, no, I... I... You know, I don't want to bet Virginia Tech, but laying that many points uh, with NC State's offense, I, I could never do that. Uh, Quavetus Ingram jumps in. Kyle, what is your take on BYU versus ECU? Uh, probably over. I mean, you know, BYU brought back the whole defense from last year. It's just like Parker said, they're bad, you know, so they, they look like they might be a bit improved. And, and now they haven't been. Um, Holt Nailers is capable and I think he could put up quite a few there in that one. So uh, I think, I think I'd bet the over if I bet anything there. Yeah. Ehlers, uh, 30 out of 36 passing last week. I mean, just a slew of touchdowns looked great against UCF's defense and now the total 62 East Carolina is a three point dog. I mean, it's worth a, 
it's worth a look. So the over for sure. Uh, Parker, I I look at this, and you know my numbers it's have it slightly toward ECU. Is there any kind of value on on a Friday night game in Provo? Um, my well, my my lean would actually be the other way, just because I think that uh, this is like by far the highest elevation game that East Carolina is going to play, and it's going to be yeah. on a short week after a big emotional spot. So if you're going to talk me into spot bet numbers, I have this a total toss up with ECU a little bit favored, but if you're going to consider the spot, especially with the road effects and especially with the short week and the emotional letdown, I, I don't know that I feel good. Like, so this is one I definitely looked at is, Hey, maybe I'd ride with the pirates here, but it kind of felt like I was chasing momentum and maybe not smart the the spot here. Yeah. And that's So again, numbers, like you said, ECU by just a touch, but again, spot certainly leans BYU on it. Eh, not, not enough value for me to, for me to play it. Um, George jumps in New Mexico state minus two and a half against the UMass. I, I had a lot of people hit me up on Twitter asking me about this game, which was very interesting. A lot of people wondering why New Mexico state is favored over anybody. And truth be told, Jerry kill is doing a pretty decent job with this team. Like I, I have New Mexico state by five based on the last five weeks of data uh, UMass's defense is okay. Like what Don Brown is doing there, of course, former defensive coordinator at Michigan and Arizona. Uh, he's at least made UMass somewhat competent on defense, but that UMass offense is awful, awful. And New Mexico State, while not a good team, and certainly is still going to be working on rebuilding, I, two and a half? Yeah, I would, I would probably lean New Mexico State on that one. I, I can't trust either of them enough for me to make a play, but... If you were going to go a certain way, yeah, I would I would lean to Mexico State. Uh, William Herman jumps in. Thoughts on Miami of Ohio against Akron. Hey, Kyle, any thoughts here? Yeah, I mean, Gabbert came back last game, which was interesting. I didn't expect him to come back. I had the under in that game personally, and, and uh, when I saw that he was playing, I was worried. But then they couldn't do anything offensively, even against Western Michigan. I know it was a little bit windy there, but... Uh, Miami has been really disappointing. Uh, I think I would lean to the under again in this game, thinking Miami's playing extremely slow. Uh, they're trying to waste the clock big time. So I'm going to lead toward another under there with Miami. I can I can certainly ride with that. Heath Harrelson, Gary, can Charlotte uh, finally cover after firing their coach? Uh, no. That's still a bad defense. Bad, bad defense. Uh, Sam jumps in. Beamer ball continues in South Carolina. Line looks short, but no look. Hey, you know what? We're going to hit South Carolina on tomorrow's show. South Carolina, Missouri tomorrow. Uh, let's see. we got a couple more. Hey, uh, let's see. Eadzy jumps in. What are our thoughts on TCU West Virginia? That's not one can that we, we have lined up. Can we push that till tomorrow? I, we have to talk about this yeah. off air. I think I have a play now, given some information today. So we'll talk about that off air. We'll definitely talk about it tomorrow. <laughs> Um, even if it's not a play, but I, yeah, we'll, we'll talk. Okay. About that sounds good. And then last question here. Um, oh, Arbone, I'd like analysis on Wyoming, uh, Wyoming at Hawaii. Uh, that's the late night game. Typically we kind of hit those on the, uh, on the Wednesday show, but what does that line up to now? It's all the way out to 11 and a half. Uh, Kyle, I'm going to ask you about this. I, I am leaning towards Hawaii. This team looks a little bit better uh, over the past few weeks since they moved away from the quarterback yelling. Uh, they, they look like they're actually fighting, especially when they're at home. Last week against Colorado State was kind of a bad spot, elevation, et cetera. They come back home. Wyoming coming off a big win over Utah State. I think the line is inflated a little too much. Uh, you, what's your what's your move on this? A total is 49, by the way. 
Yeah, I would I would lean Hawaii in that game. I think Wyoming is still not that good of a team. You know, they they faced a Utah State team that was on their fourth string quarterback. Uh, you know, probably a little bit overvalued based on that. You're laying double digits on the road with Wyoming. Uh, that wouldn't be something I'd be comfortable with. And I just want to say real quick too, I've seen a couple people uh, bring up the Toledo game in the chat. You know, I was even uh, texting you guys the other day, like I, I can't believe Toledo found a way to lose that game the other day. Just insane how Candles teams do that. They are the best team in the MAC. Uh, I do know that Daquan Finn got hurt on the last play of the game, and uh, Finn might not play this week. And somebody's steaming the other side big time. So. I would definitely want to know if Fenn's playing uh, before I bet that game because he's you know crucial for that Toledo offense. No, you've got that right. We we talked about that in the Q and A last week about Toledo. Just uh, they look amazing, but you know what's going to happen at some point. So when is it going to happen? It just happened last week. So there is no telling what's going to go uh, go wrong with that team. All right, let's jump into the picks recap. We got to give our best bets of the day because I know everybody wants to know what's going on with us. So uh, Parker. We will let you start us off, my friend. I'm going to ride with uh, two big favorites uh, this week. Um, Ohio State minus 15 and a half. Oregon State minus 17 and a half. At the Ducks minus 17 and a half. I like it. Oh, I like sorry. It. Did I say Oregon State? Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Oregon. Oregon. <laughs> Ducks, not Beavers. Sorry. <laughs> had, to, had to confirm that. Uh, it, hey, you can't go wrong with those two. I mean, they are covering machines. So I am going to ride with Utah to cover seven and a half on a Thursday night in the Palouse. I'm going to take UConn plus eight at home because, my gosh, that's what good betters do, I guess. Uh, they, they ride with the Huskies. Um, but plus eight against Boston College. And I will take UCF in a pick at home against Cincinnati. Kyle, what have you got for us? I'm going to stick with totals here on this one. I'm going to take Louisiana and Southern Miss under 43 and a half. And then in the SEC, I'm going to take Arkansas and Auburn over 61. I like it. I think we got a good card this week so far. Now, of course, we still got tomorrow's show to finish out the card, but I, yeah, I like this. I like where we're going here. All right, let me remind everybody, go ahead and like the video if you've not done so already. You got us up to 200, and I appreciate that. We all appreciate that. That helps out whatever goes on in the background as far as algorithms and whatever else. So that is a, a big-time deal for us each and every time out. We appreciate you for doing it. Make sure that you are subscribed to the channel. Of course, hit that notification bell. Every Tuesday and Wednesday, we're going to be here live at 1 p.m. Eastern time. That means tomorrow's show. Make sure you're back here in the chat, jumping in, enjoying yourselves. So, uh, along with that, anything else? Oh, the podcast. Uh, Parker, are you going to be on Three Dog Thursday this week? No, I went one and two because I trusted oh, no. Pitt. <laughs> My fault. The hey, streak but, ends. You still have the record, man. I was one show short. There you go. There you go. Corby, uh, Corby gave out Pitt last week, too. That's it. Man, you want to talk about a Pitt team? We're going to talk about Pitt tomorrow. That's that's what we're going to do. We're going to, we'll talk about Pitt in North Carolina tomorrow. All right. With that said, subscribe, 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 and like, like, like. There you go. Share the show out. Tell your friends about it. All that good stuff. With that said, da, 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 no more notes. Wonderful. All right. For BetUS, where the game begins, God bless college football. We'll see y'all again tomorrow.